Good morning. My name is Liz, and I'm the children's pastor here at Hydrant. And um, like Tim said, I've been here for four years. It'll be five years in May. Yeah, Avery's like, yeah, all right. Um, (laughs) uh, I've been doing children's ministry for a lot longer than that, though. Um, I started when I was really young, 13 years old, started doing that, and have been a pastor now for 10 years. And it wasn't the plan. The plan was not to be a children's pastor. You know, we all have our own plans for our lives. We have these, these courses and things that we are going to do, and that's the way that our life is going to go. But uh, pastoring was not even remotely on that list. In fact, at the time, I didn't even believe women should be pastors. I've come a long way since then. <laughs> um, But God, in the way that only he can, changed the course of my life while I was in Santa Cruz, Bolivia on a missions trip. We had had been stuck there. The, The climate in the country had plummeted and there was unrest everywhere and we could not get out of the country. There was no flights in or out. And so we were stuck for an extra two days. I mean, two weeks, sorry, two weeks. And my mom was freaking out. You know, in her mind, we're in a third world country. She's watching the news, seeing what's all going on, and she is flipping out. But me, in the country, God was doing something huge and big, and it was exciting. We were staying in a five-star hotel. It was awesome. My mom is picturing me like dead on the streets, and I'm living it up, right? So... I'm sitting in this school. It's a missionary school, and I found out later that it was actually a Wesleyan missionary school. I wasn't Wesleyan at the time, and um, I'm sitting there, and they came to us, and they said, would anybody be interested in teaching at this school for a year? Now, at the time, I wasn't an emotional person. I prided myself in being that person who shuts off emotion and doesn't cry. And Anita will tell you that is not me anymore. Um, We joke that every time I walk into Tim's office, I'm going to start sobbing. Um, Not because he's mean to me, but just I'm emotional. Well, sometimes he's mean to me. (laughs) Is he in here? Um, He's not. Um, (laughs) But I wasn't an emotional person at the time. And... um, I started to, to just cry. I felt this overwhelming need to do something. And I remember feeling this rush of wind just take over me. And I knew in that moment that only I could feel what was going on right then. And I felt this need to do something. Now, I was um, a little too young to be teaching the grade that they needed. They needed a high school teacher, and being freshly graduated from high school, that probably wasn't the wisest of choices. So I came home with the intent to start college in the fall. After a lot of running and a lot of denying what God was doing in my life, three years later, I started my first ministry job. And I got the job description that first day, and it was like God saying, this is where you were meant to be all along. Oftentimes, it's a joke that children's ministry and youth ministry is just babysitting. But Brendan, I think you can agree with me. It's more like herding cats. Yeah. Um, It is not babysitting. There is so much that goes into it. And it is arguably, and in my mind, the most important ministry in the church. Next Gen Ministry is more than just a place for your kids and teens to go while their parents attend Bible study. It's far more than a place where they can learn to be good human beings. Oftentimes, the purpose of bringing a kid to church is to shape them into being moral good citizens. 
hoping that we can fix society's epidemic of moral and integrity just by walking through the doors of the church. It's not just about making them good people. It's not just about bringing them here so they'll stop doing whatever bad behavior that they were doing before. It's about building their relationship with God. It's not about making good or being bad people moral. It's about making dead people come alive. It is so much more than babysitting. Next Gen Ministry is about changing the legacy we leave for the next generation. Oftentimes when we think about legacy, we we think about it as the way Webster defines it, as property or money left to somebody in a will. But don't we want to leave more than that? Don't we want to leave more than just earthly things that our kids are going to just throw away? Don't we want to leave them something eternal? Something so much bigger than grandma's house or the pocket watch that doesn't work? Don't we want to leave them with a relationship that brings them from death to life? We often want to view kids in student ministry as pillars. These, these things that we build up, the, they build their faith upon, like we're building a house or something. We want to lay foundation and we want to lay bricks and give them the tools they need in order to survive. But what if we started to look at it a little differently? What if we started to look at it more like a web? So instead of these pillars that they can build things on, what if it was spread out? Now, I can't take credit for this. And since Tim's not in here, don't tell him I'm giving him credit. But him and I have talked a lot about ministry in Next Gen Ministry over the last four years and what it looks like for me and what it looks like for him and what it looks like for Hydrant and why even do it? Why was it one of the first staff positions that he hired because clearly it matters. And so he started to explain Next Gen Ministry like this. What if it wasn't a pillar to be built on? Because what happens when a pillar gets pushed? It falls over. So what if it was more like a web that spread out? And when it's shaken, because of how spread out it is, all points of contact help it to withstand the shock. What if we could save the next generation from the regrets that we have? Because I know I've got them. So what if we could move them in that direction? What if we could help them to build up their web that when something comes crashing down on them, it withstands it? Because we all know something's going to happen. Something's going to come and try and push them over. We need to decide to leave a legacy that is more than just money and property. We need to leave the next generation with a relationship that lasts. We need to set them up so that when they leave Hydrant, they can start mini Hydrants right in their dorm rooms. And I know Tim has said this the last several weeks, but it's important that when they leave here, they know how to start something if they can't find it. Or what if they're in the military, they end up going overseas, and there's no church for them to go to. They have the tools and the deep love for Christ that they can go and start exactly what they need. Most of us have heard of a a guy named Moses in the Bible, and after Moses ushers millions of people out of slavery, he leads them to the promised land. Unfortunately, he never gets to see that land excuse me, sorry, and it comes to a time for him to pass on his leadership to Joshua. 
And we find ourselves in Judges 2. God's people yet again have disappointed him, and he has to remind them that they have not followed through on those promises that, he is, that they have promised him. And so they beg for forgiveness. The Bible says they wept aloud and offered sacrifices. But clearly the message didn't stick. And so we find ourselves at verse 10, and it says, After a gener- an entire generation has died, after Moses and Joshua and all those people had passed, a new generation grew up knowing nothing of the Lord. Not a thing. We can't let that happen to our kids. God's people had failed to pass on to the next generation an amazing and beautiful story of how he had delivered them out of a life of slavery and oppression. Now that was actual slavery and actual oppression, but what if we don't pass on to our kids how God has delivered us from the slavery of sin, from the the slavery and oppression that comes with walking with the world? They had failed to pass on a greater legacy to the next generation. They had failed the next generation. So many people ask me, why children's ministry? Why do you do what you do? Why did you move a thousand miles away from everybody you knew and loved to come here and do this? It's really simple. I want to help them build their web. I want to leave a different legacy for them than that was left for me. According to Barna, which is a reputable research um, group, only 6% of Christians made their decision to follow God after the age of 18. 6%. That means 94% of Christians made the decision to follow God before the age of 18. We have a very small window of opportunity to help a child build that spiritual web. We have a small window of opportunity to make disciples and give them a faith that is strong enough, to, and a sense of faith that is strong enough that they can go into the community and make connections. We have a small window of opportunity to help them recognize the lies and false promises that this world pushes on them every single day. We have to be the example. We have to show them the way. The Bible is full of examples of kids and teens who made a big difference. And I think some of the greatest ones are the ones that we don't even realize were kids. How many of you have heard of the disciples? Right? Yeah. We, you know, this, I'm a children's pastor. Interact. Yeah. All right. Um, the disciples. We've heard of the disciples, right? The people who followed with God. They walked beside him. How many of you thought they were adults? Yeah, I, I, I did too until digging in deeper. They weren't. They were all in their mid to late teens. This, this group who was given the church, who started the greatest movement in history, they were in their mid to late teens. These people who were hand chosen by Jesus and taught by him, they weren't even adults yet. And God had given them a a command to go and make disciples. But he walked with them first. He showed them the way and taught them along the way. So we've got to do the same. A next gen, gen ministry done right is a place where kids and teens can find connection with God and others. I know you hear our 
our, um, just drew a blank on the word, <laughs> our, our vision. <laughs> Thank you, Anita. Goodness. This is why I don't do this thing, man. Yeah, I know you hear our vision every single week to connect, fill, and overflow. Well, kids need a place to find connection with God and others. By giving them a place where they can connect with others, they are able to have a space to meet with those that are struggling with the same thing. We want that as adults, right? We want a life group or a, a group of people, friends who are, who are walking the same thing with us. They have peers here who have the same pressures and stresses that can help them through it. They're also making connections with leaders who will invest in them and be great examples. They have leaders who will pray for them and cheer them on. Leaders who point them continuously towards God. And by finding these connections are able to have a safe place to have people pour into them besides their parents. If we want our kids to be well-rounded adults, we need to have more than just one opinion pouring into them. In Jewish culture, it was common for men and women to pour into the next generation. In Titus 2, we find that there's instructions on how to guide those that are younger than us, giving them a good example to follow. We all know the saying, it takes a village to raise a child. And that's not just a saying, it's something that's so important. It's valuable in raising the next generation to be all that it is created to be. By having others speak into our kids, we are giving them a support system that helps them to build that web. I was having a conversation with a parent this week, and she said, this is the place where my kids have some of the only examples and people that will pour into them, some of the only examples of of faith and, and growth and leadership. This is the only place where my kids get that. Some of us are in military. Some of us are just far away from our families. Some people just don't have family that has the legacy of faith that we want. So this is where those families can come and find that. Growing up, I had many people who invested in me. I had Pastor David who took me on my first missions trip at 13. I had Becky and Suze who helped me to learn what it was to be a woman who followed after Christ and lived by his example I had Pastor CJ, who let me be leadership in so many areas of the church. And 15 to 20 years later, I can name those people and the legacy they left for me. In fact, last night, I sent them all a message, just thanking them for what they had done for me, for pushing me to know God more and to help me through the junk that was going on in my childhood And then I had friends that went to school and church with me who helped me win those moments when I wanted to give up or make an unwise decision. They came alongside me and said, hey, remember what we learned last week? Remember what CJ has been trying to work with us on? Remember what he challenged you with? I had those people to hold me accountable and remind me what it was God wanted for my life. These leaders and fellow students helped me to see their place for me in the church, even at a young age. 1 Timothy 4.12, our kids know this verse because we sing it, and I want them to take it to heart. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in faith, in speech, in life, and in purity. The kids need a place for that. 
Next Gen Ministry Done Right is also a place where kids can be filled, kids and teens can be filled with grace and truth. Ephesians 4.14 says, They will no longer be like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. Instead, we will speak with truth and love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body of the church. Kids need a place to wrestle with that faith, to ask questions. In a day and an age that is so filled with information because of technology, they need a place to sort that out. They're overloaded. We're overloaded. Can you imagine what their brains are going through? And so give them that space. By connecting our kids with church, their leaders, and ministries that invest with them, they're able to dig into that faith, find their place in God's big story for them, and experience him firsthand. In Hydrant Kids, we use all of our senses to experience who God is. When they smell tuna, they don't just think of tuna. They think of what story? Jonah, right? They think of a man who, who resisted and a God who pursued after a nation, even if the person he sent was reluctant to do so. When they taste grapes, they think of the story of Passover and Jesus' Last Supper. When they hear music, they think of David who wrote songs of worship to our God. I know many of you don't get to come back there with us um, when we do Hydrant Kids, and I'm sorry, we're cooler back there. just can't help it. But we have so much fun helping them to experience who God is. We, we start with playtime, which is like when you all get together and eat dinner. We can't serve them food every weekend. And so we go and we have fun and we connect with each other and we, we build this space where they can ask, how was your week? What are you doing this weekend? What did you do next week? Or what are you going to do next weekend? And then we come in and we do music worship and we do our prayer wall. And then we move into our story where we tell God's story to them. And we ask four questions, four questions that are so simple, but they dig deep into who God is. What is your favorite part of the story? What is the most important part of the story? Where are you in the story? And what do you wonder? I'm always amazed at the answers that they give. And one weekend I was telling the story of how God had sent his son to save us and one kid, and Zoe's laughing because she was with me, one kid goes, I'm God. <laughs> what? I did not teach you that, right? What in the world? Like, okay, um, explain that to me. What do, you, what do you mean? What do you mean that you're God? He said, well, I would do anything to save my family and friends. He wasn't comparing himself to God, saying he wanted to be God and take over the world. He was comparing himself to the character of God. And isn't that the point? Don't we all want to reflect who God is and what he's doing in us here on earth? Nobody has taught me that more than those kids. Nobody has moved me to the point of falling on my knees and saying, God, I'm sorry, like those kids. Because we make it so complicated. We make it so complicated, but they are getting it. So I encourage you as parents or even, even yourself to ask those four questions. What is your favorite part of the story? What's the most important part of the story? Where are you in the story? And what do you wonder? 
Kids also need a place where God's truth can be taught and reinforced in powerful ways with leaders who are going to ask questions that push them deeper into that faith. I'm sure we can all think back to in our kids and teen years and admit that we didn't want to listen to our parents. We needed other people to speak into us and to tell us things because our parents weren't right. My mom was never right, right? We need those people who can pour into us that we are actually going to listen to. It's easier to hear it coming from somebody else. A next-gen ministry done right is also a place where kids and teens learn where to overflow as they find their place to serve. Jesus challenged teen men to go and make disciples. But before he did, he helped them to learn how to serve. He showed them how to wash feet. He taught them how to heal. He walked with them every step of the way. At Hydrant, our kids are involved in serving every single weekend. They are in first contact. They're in the nursery. They're helping in the sound room. They're handing out cookies. Well, let's be real. That's the most important job in the whole entire church, right? They serve in the food pantry at Laundry Love and in their classrooms at school. Our kids have learned that everywhere they go, they are helping others in our community to know that God loves them and we are a place that helps those in need. Our kids are the go-to kids in school when, they, when someone is hurt and they need prayer. Our kids are the ones that when there is a lack of donations for backpacks for kids who need food, our kids are the ones they go to and say, hey, how do we make this happen? People know our kids serve. We often want to use the line that next gen, the next generation is the church of tomorrow, but they aren't. The church is already theirs. Us adults are just stewarding it for them. Growing up, I didn't have the family that was strong line of believers. My parents had decided to change the legacy um, and they did the best they could with the awesome support of the church that was surrounding them. The legacy that was passed down to me was, was a starting of faith. When I was five, we started going to a church called Maranatha, and, and a friend had invited me to their Awana program, and soon we started attending church as a, fa- as a family, and my parents decided to change that legacy. They allowed for others to invest in my sister and I to help us grow in our relationship with Christ. They found Christians like Cliff and Doobie Culver who were legacies as our surrogate grandparents who pointed us towards Jesus every single day. As a teen, I didn't realize that those people, those that had left a different legacy for me, would be helping me to make the biggest decision of my life years before it was time to come. When it came time to move a thousand miles away from everyone I knew and loved, there was no question that I would because of the faith that had been instilled in me. It was bigger than all my comforts and the things that I wanted. Leaving this legacy was bigger than the fears and questions that I have. Moving here meant that an entire generation would grow up knowing who God was. They would grow up connecting and filling and overflowing. Sophie, Noah, Thomas, Chloe, and every other kid who is back in that wing right now won't know Cliff and Doobie Culver. But because of their investment in me, I'm able to invest in them. Sorry, I recently found out Doobie is not doing good, and so that just connects with me. Um, That legacy has continued, and it will long after I am gone. 
So what are we doing to leave a different legacy? Because it's not just me. I mean, yes, that's my job and that's what I'm called to do, but it takes a village. So what are we doing to invest in the next generation? What are you doing to help them move in their faith? Are you here serving on Sunday nights when there are 50 kids who come here willingly to know God and to see him and to dig deeper? Are you serving on Sunday mornings, helping a kid to serve at the doors or helping them to serve in the nursery or investing in them by doing check-in and security? Because if we don't, who will? If we don't help them to move in that direction, somebody else will. And I don't like thinking about who that somebody else is. Because that means it's the world. It means that their friend who is watching things they shouldn't be watching on their phone or their teacher who doesn't believe in God and wants to force that on them, those are the people that are investing them in them if we don't. So church, what are we doing? Now Tim has you know, paved the way and brought in Brendan and I to, to do this, but we can't do it on our own. And I want to be careful here. I'm not trying to guilt trip anybody, but I want you to see the importance of it. How many of you in here have kids? You need people to invest in those kids with you, to join in the fight with you, to pray for you, to be with you as you push your kids to. The statistics show us that a million kids a year leave the church. How do we make sure that's not our kids? What are we doing to intentionally make sure that that is not a hydrant kid who leaves this place and says bye? So I'm going to pray. And if at any time you feel led to do something about this, if you're feeling that feeling that I felt in Bolivia where I need to do something, I encourage you to talk to a team leader whether it's first contact, whether it's cookies, whether it's worship, Brendan, me, Tim. But act on that. And let's change the legacy that's left for our kids. God, we are so thankful for this place, for this leadership that invests in the next generation, who pushes them to be who they were created to be and gives them the space to wrestle with that faith. God, we give these kids to you and we know that you are going to do bigger things than we can even imagine. And I know that you are going to raise up leaders to continue that legacy and to change it for the next generation. And so God, we look with anticipation as we watch what you are going to do. Continue to guide and be with us as we do what only we can do to serve and be with those that are coming up next. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for worshiping with us this morning. You guys can go and enjoy some homemade cookies on your way out.